We talked to a lot of different kinds of filmmakers or people around the creation of film and television on this podcast. Today, we're talking to somebody who has more of a niche role, but a very important role nonetheless. Watson Wu is an award-winning sound effects producer and recording artist. He does recording for major video games, movies, television shows. One of the big movies he did is actually Baby Driver. But what Watson does is he gets the perfect clean sounds that end up being mixed into the uh, tapestry of the soundtrack. It may be a car. It may be part of a car. It may be a gunshot. It may be how a gunshot reflects off of a wall in a particular location. Watson is like a sound scientist. And talking to him about how he gets the sounds he gets and why he does it a certain way is illuminating because so much goes into this corner of accuracy. When you're watching a movie like Baby Driver or when you're playing a video game like Call of Duty, it's easy to overlook or overhear, sorry for the pun, how accurate or perfect some of these sounds are, but they are the things that lend authenticity to your experience. We all know that sound is often the mark of the amateur in any kind of content because it's so easy to gloss over it and focus on the visuals. But great sound, high quality sound that people spend on is critical in differentiating yourself from the amateur hordes. So we can't all afford somebody like Watson to provide the sound effects of a car or a bullet in the desert for our projects. But Rode has launched the Ambisonic Sound Library, which is a big collection of ambisonic recordings. What that means and what it is is something I talk more to Watson about because he helped create it. So we'll get into all that and more in our interview with Watson Wu. You know, you've been producing original sound effects for TV, movies, video games, commercials, all kinds of things, sound libraries. Um, you have a long history of, of doing this. What sort of got you started in recording sound and interested in mixing and recording sound? Well, way back in uh, college, uh, I was in bands and I went to college for music education. A, a professor came to my high school, liked my voice, and offered me a scholarship to go to his school, Miami Day College in Miami. And so I said, scholarship? Yeah, I'll go. So I basically paid for the school. And so I was in music ed, but going through music theory and ear training, I found that I was really good at writing music too. I was always I was always fascinated with how different artists produce their sounds. I, I love the fact that they would make their own instruments. They would sample sounds and do playback on the keyboards, on synthesizers. So I've always loved to make those sounds. So um, after school, I was writing music for a game, and the company asked, "Can you also make sound effects? We need sound effects for a game." I said, "Well, let me give it a shot. I, I do have the equipment." I already had microphones and field recorders, so so I went through some libraries and 
and I was dissatisfied with what what was out there. You know, it was back in CD days where you have to rip it into WAV files, yeah, and then edit and implement them. And sometimes the performance wasn't great, so I would go out and record on my own and do a better door slam, better footsteps, you know, get a better chicken sound, for example. So it was, it was just better to do that, you know, get in my own, yeah. get it how I want it. What were you using to record it at that time? I, I first started off with, uh, I, I've used DAT and I also used Minidisc. And what I like about mini is that you never had to <laughs> rewind or or get more tapes. You know, you could use the same ones over and over again. And so it was like instant gratification, almost like today. And so, um, and I love that uh, how portable they are. You can put it in your pocket and take it out. Uh, so I went from that to solid state uh, using uh, Fostex FR2, um, recording onto Compact Flash. And, uh, you know, going... From 16-bit 44.1, instantly to 2448, 2496. And today I'm doing 32-bit quite often. Like this morning I was recording a motorcycle using 32-bit technology. So we've we've come a really long way. Yeah, in a relatively short period of time, right? Do you ever find that that some of those older-sounding recordings have a value to you in a different way, you know, like they created a different feeling or texture maybe, and they can still be useful. Or do you always want to go out and capture the newest, freshest sounds with the best quality recording devices? Well, I, I, um, speaking of the older technology, I, I still have recordings that I've done with the Fostex FR2, for example, and the preamp is phenomenal. I mean, I've done loud race cars, gunshots, and they sound great. They still have this modern kind of sound. So I guess it depends on what microphones are attached to the recorder. But I still find those recordings from 15 years ago, they still sound great, pristine, and still high fidelity. So, and I, I, I can hear, yeah, the, the, the older sounds from the mini this and that, that are, yeah, they sound older. Uh, more like an old TV show, so yeah, yeah. If you're if you're after those uh, vintage sounds, I guess uh, they do have a value. But I tend to go with what I like now. I don't go always with the newest because sometimes newest doesn't always mean better. So mm. my 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 most often recorder I use is a Sound Devices seven eighty eight 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 track recorder. So it's not the newest. It's probably three or four generations behind the current, but I still find it better in a lot of ways compared to the newest. The newest, yes, might have a great dynamic range, but when I record something, it it actually requires more editing to get everything within our human ear frequencies for us to huh. understand. So with a 788, I still find it, 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 it requires less editing and still give you a pristine sound. When you are recording, do you always use, you know, everything you gather in exactly the way, like you say, like a motorcycle or a race car, and you have tons of examples on your website of various things you've recorded. Do you find that they end up being used for different 
purposes than what they are. You know, does a race car ever double somewhere else? Or do you ever hear something when you're recording one sound and think, I could use this over here? You know, you've done a lot of games, you've done a lot of, or do you always try to get like, you know, for example, if it's World War II, do you make sure you try to get the World War II accurate weapons firing? That that's has happened. Uh, for example, um, I was recording a BMW sedan sports car, and I put a microphone in the air intake box. And sometimes we do that for that extra sound, an extra punch. And that air box sounded like a breath, a dragon breathing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's fiction, of course. You know, not that we know. So. <laughs> I, I gave I gave so many samples to my existing customers, game customers, and one guy said, "I can use this for dragon breathing." I said, "I know that's why I sent it to you. I, <laughs> I, I want you to try it." And so he did. He he um, took those airbox sounds from a BMW, and so it's a BMW dragon. You know, I guess you could say, and it, it sounded <laughs> phenomenal. So I, I I should when we were done, I should. Dig that up and send it to you, you know. And you yes, if you could, imagine. we'll insert it. That would yeah, be amazing. That'd, that'd be great because because sometimes you're just so surprised at what you capture. I think with weapons too. Sometimes I'm using an odd microphone at an odd angle, and it sounded like something not World War II like. And so, really, yeah, yeah. It, I guess um, you know, even though I've, I've I've done this for a while, I'm still surprised at sometimes I what I've captured. So it it's uh it's just fascinating what what you can do out there. So like, you know, say for example, you know, it's firing a weapon or a Thompson submachine gun or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and you angle the mic a little differently, just something that simple. And you'll end up saying this could actually double elsewhere, or this yes. has a different quality to it entirely. Exactly. Exactly. Because, um, for example, um, distant, you know, since we're talking about firearms, when you're capturing long distance of gunshots, um, a lot of times you can't tell what they exactly are, you know, as far as uh, one rifle to another rifle, for example. So it, it's not until you get to medium perspective, medium as in, you know, 30 to 70 feet away from you, from you. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we sometimes will double that larger caliber rifle, um, from World War II for modern day era. So, uh, that works out. And it also, also depends on the location. Sometimes it's the desert that sounds quite different from Florida, which is grassland. And uh, so, yeah, I, I've, I've done quite a bit of that. So people will buy libraries because it has everything that could work for, you know, World War II era up to today, for example. And are you constantly adding to the libraries, like Ambisonic Sound Library, for example? Let's talk a little bit about it. It's uh, Ambisonics is a three sixty degree surround sound format. This library or these libraries you add to, um, do you wait for specific inspirations or or orders? How does it work? How does your relationship with gathering sounds for them work? You mean as far as with the road? Yeah. 
Well, uh, Roe just said, you know, do what you do, make it interesting, make it very broad. You know, we don't want we don't want just one one thing or just vehicles only. We want everything you could think of that would sound great for three sixty sounds. So if if I was going somewhere, I would have to f- uh, figure out that the entire space of three sixty all has to sound pretty good and balanced. So if uh, if I'm using a stereo microphone or a shotgun mono microphone. I'm pointing at what I want, opposite opposite of what I don't want. So that's huh. that's the difficult part of ambisonic recording is that you got to find the right space, right timing, and record that. So um, and you have to do it again and again until you get clean recordings of that. What you're, I guess, not what you're pointing at, but where where the microphone's standing. So it's about the environment as much as it's about the sound itself. Correct, correct. So it 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 uh, actually makes it harder to record, because uh, I guess maybe maybe not in a sense, but when you're done with the plugin, you could then direct where you want. You could say, I want uh, in front of me ninety degrees only, and reject what's behind me. So I could output a stereo sound or a mono sound of that particular direction. So when I was recording. Uh, over water, uh, this little brook, I could then change the orientation for the output, you know, pointing downwards so that it, it's like you and I looking down at the water. We're hearing the brook uh, going uh, to and fro as we're looking down, as opposed to us looking straight, sort of parallel with the brook. So um, that's the beauty of Ambisonic with the plugin that you could record. And then decide how you want the output to be. So if I if so I wanted- yeah, so just to to take it through, essentially, what you did was you went all around, recorded sounds in environments, and then provide those sounds through the library. So the user with the plugin, this uh, Soundfield Road plugin, can then select what part of your recording, essentially, what direction they want to face and hear it from. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and that uh, and that and that gives them the ability. It's almost like creating a VR or AR audio experience, right? Correct, correct. Uh, the and is it? Can you tell me a little bit, like how how do you record it? What what kind of tools do you use to record the? It looks like it's the NTSF one. Mm-hmm. Is that part of what's the what's the recording process like? Right, that that's the process. Um, at at that time, I had two different recorders I was using, you know, because um, the recorder, the microphone, for example, it's, it's bigger than certain microphones and the cable was longer and thicker. You're using, you know, basically four cables in one. So I want to be lighter. Instead of using my conventional sound devices, 788, uh, adding more weight to it as I'm traveling around, I'd used a Zoom FAN. And also at that time, a sound devices mix pre 10T. So both of those recorders are uh, eight, in, eight inputs and uh, very lightweight. And so depending on where I was going and what the volume is, um, for example, when I was recording the, the aircraft, which is typically pretty loud, uh, so a single engine, I used these sound devices that could better handle the loud sounds. As a, hmm. Same thing with the... Uh, Ford Mustang, Motorfly. 
I use the sound devices. Uh, they typically do better for louder sounds. So for the quieter sounds, I use the Zoom, which uh, has a great, you know, really clean preamp for the quieter sounds like a brook or general ambience. You also sell some of your sounds through your own store, right? You sell your own library. I do, I do, and uh, that's that's probably less than ten percent of what I do. Most of my work is work for hire. People hire me and give me a list, and I go get it for them. So it's sort of like uh, like a chef and ingredients or something. They're like, <laughs> here's yeah. what I need for yeah. you to go exactly go right. manufacture for me, and then I'll be able to cook it. What are some of the like more interesting or challenging times where you got a list and you had to figure out how to do it? I mean, you've you've traveled the world recording sounds, um, but but were there any, some projects that were like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get what they need for this? Oh, my, I I I've often run into that where. <laughs> How am I going to do this? Where am I going to go? Who am I going to call? You know, I, I would say one of the most challenging, not ambisonic, but I wish I had ambisonic back then was when I was recording roller coaster sounds for Planet Coaster Game. So huh. Frontier Developments, a British uh, game maker, they were also involved with Roller Coaster Tycoon, those games. So Planet Coaster is the newest one. And it just right. came out on on PS4 and uh, Xbox. So uh, it's a console version now. So uh, they were tasked, they tasked me to record eight different rides. And I'm looking and going, how am I going to find a place where there are, there's nobody around, just, just me and the rides. So I called, emailed everybody. And somebody told me, why don't you contact the smaller uh, companies, you know, because Disney and, it's definitely out of the question because they're always open. <laughs> so being in Florida, we 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 never snows here. <laughs> All the theme parks, everything is always open every day. So yeah, I I found a place in Indiana where I um, I knew that uh, during the school season the kids are back in school and and so the park was closed during the weekdays. So I um, asked them if I could rent two straight days to record eight different rides. And I know that they do maintenance and such on the days when they're closed anyway. So they, they uh, gave me a, a quote and I gave it to the game, uh, game company and I had scheduled to record yeah, two full days at the theme park. So um, yeah, it, it still blows me away that I was able to do that, to record on the roller coaster and on the side to get the you know, the people waiting in the queue, their perspectives. So both perspectives. Yeah, I had. To, I, I was just going to ask. So like this is a perfect example that I don't think people understand how much goes into creating the, the correct sound uh -huh. from for a sound for a game or for a sound effects library. You have to find somewhere where you can get on the ride right. exactly. <laughs> alone. Alone without, <laughs> without screaming. Video. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can't make any noise. So like I, I assume you don't mind being on roller coasters, but you get on roller coaster alone and you get your gear. What did you use to record it? Uh, I use a lot of lavalier mics because uh, when when you're traveling at certain speeds and certain ways, uh, you're yeah. gonna, you're, I'm fighting against wind, you know. So when I'm recording right. vehicles, I'm always fighting against wind. I have to conceal microphones behind certain spaces or inside uh, compartments just to capture the sound of the engine, the the exhaust, the the cabin. So 
that that's how uh, they found me was that they they saw that I record a lot of vehicle sounds. So they asked me, how would you do roller coasters? I said, well, if it's spun around 360, here's what I would do. And they said, well, interesting. Why don't you give us a quote? So when you know it, one of the rides was like that. You spin upside down to the side. Right. And uh, George, it's, it's been years since I've ridden on rides like that. So <laughs> I, I, I went to a pharmacist and asked, hey, how do I um, keep from getting sick but stay awake? So uh, the pharmacist uh, understood and said, well, if you need to keep working, take less drowsy Dramamine. So I, he said, just take it in the morning before you go, even though the ride might be in a day. So I took it, and yeah, I had, I had to ride maybe ten or more times for each of the rides, and oh, I saved, no. uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saved the most uh, craziest ride on the the end of the first day. Uh, I did that because if I mess up, I could I could try again second day, but I did not want, uh, want to do that first to wreck the entire first day. So I made it. It must have been really, I I would have been really stressed out. It must have been a stressful couple of days of just nonstop roller coasters. But like normally when we experience a roller coaster, we don't have to worry about working while mm-hmm. or anything technical like yes. whether or not our sound is clipping or something like that right like were right. you watching levels on the mixer while you were riding yeah yeah i uh <laughs> you know i i've sensed i mean that, that was five years ago so i i've always refining my gear you know i wish i yeah. have the equipment like like an ambisonic mic like the ntfs1 to to record the the cue perspective and while I remain on board taking care of that perspective at the same time, you know, and then that's what I often do today with vehicles. I'll record on in the car, and then when I'm done, I'll strap the recorder to the car and stand outside at the same time with a different recorder, a different set of mics to capture externals. So I'm doing both at the same time. So the the customer is getting you know more bang for your buck. So right, and I, so and and sometimes with the cars, like it, it could be a racing game, mm-hmm. right? Or like you did a lot of the, the sound on Baby Driver, right? Can you tell me a yeah. little bit about that project? Sure, sure. <laughs> that was a that was crazy, crazy um, job. I was tasked to record all the stunt car sounds for that uh, picture, and they assigned me a really good uh, stunt driver, and and also a, a mechanic dedicated for to that session. So it was like a pit crew you had. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I just just needed guys who could change the tires. Fortunately, we didn't right. broke any tires or. But we, we did. We did kill a Cadillac. Though the Cadillac in the movie, we we ran it too hard and it actually stopped working. It was smoke wow. coming out of the dashboard and uh, <laughs> the coolant flowing out like a river. So the wow, mechanic really? had to intervene and he had to leave the the area to go 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 get a part from like uh, like O'Reilly's or something <laughs> come back and fix it so we could continue did you guys just push it too hard we did we did for movies you have to get for each of the specific shots you know for what you see so what you see is what i had to record if the challenger was going towards the camera and sliding 90 degrees well we had to do that we had to do it again and again wow. so i assigned the boom operator a microphone so that we were going to drive towards him and slide 90 degrees towards him again and again. And so the stunt, oh yeah, the stunt driver <laughs> said to, to James, I'm going to drive towards you and slide, but I won't get closer than seven feet. 
And James was like, whoa, seven feet. <laughs> and sure enough, he, <laughs> he did it again and again, and he never, never got close. And, I mean, James is a huge target. He's, he's taller than I am. So it's, it's, not, it's not hard to, to miss him. But um, stunt driver was uh, very skilled um, and very careful. So we did it again and again. So I, I was So for on- each shot. Yes. Like for that shot, sorry to interrupt you, but for that shot, for example, you have the boom outside. Did you have some stuff inside as well, like you described to yes. get like a full, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, uh, my job is to take care of the onboard sounds. So I had microphones in the engine compartment, in the air intake box, in the cab and by the exhaust. So it's, it is basically what you and I hear when we're riding inside a car. So that way the, the sound editor could mix and match cherry pick what they want to sound uh, to come alive for that scene so you hear, you're you seeing give them yeah so you see every option every option that's possible and that's basically what i do i give them all of the available onboard sounds and the external sounds so and and you know it's a it's a team effort so you know james was great at you know listening to directions of how i want the external sounds to be captured and he he had similar equipment, so it it, it uh, worked out very well. So um, one of the funny things we did is that I was trying to put a microphone in the air intake box, and you know sometimes these XLR cables are too thick for you to close the box. So yeah. I asked the mechanic, "Do you think we could drill a hole into the air intake box to accommodate the cable?" It's like sure. He, he grabs a drill and starts drilling into the boxes, <laughs> so I could I could run the XLR cable in there, and then maybe close the box all the way. Because certain cars, if you don't close the box, they won't run, or won't huh. run well. So the, that the sort of things you find out as you record one vehicle to another. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was crazy. Three days of record again and again uh, for every shot for every so shot the whole project. Yeah. Do you ever, but you ever experience the projects you've worked on, like Baby Driver or one of the games, and recognize like, oh, it's interesting that they chose to feature that element because that's not really what the car sounds like. Like you know, like maybe they make one piece more prominent over another, or things like that. Are you are you ever thinking about it that way as you're recording, like how they're going to use it to tell the story and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, for people seeing, it's obviously a very music-driven uh, movie. So, yeah, the sound editor uh, Julian had to synchronize all the music to the picture, and then he had to take the sounds of the sound effects and pitch them so that they were in the same key. You know, C major, for example. Interesting, and and so they won't conflict. The first car you see in the movie, the WRX uh, Subaru, was very conflicting. It had a lot of different sounds. It had pop-up vowels. When you, every time you shift, they would make its sound. And, and so yeah. it was really conflicting. And so they had, had to really dial it back uh, to make it um, not conflict with the music. So it was music first, which is always the case for what I do. And then sound is second after that. Do they ever communicate with you? It sounds like it and say, you know, this, what's your insight into having recorded it or experienced it and, and how we're going to use it? Does it ever talk to you about like this part is conflicting with that or do they just kind of balance it out to their ear? They 
sometimes we ask for advice and sometimes ask what all these mean. So I tend ah. to do a lot more than a lot of people. You know, over record, yeah. I call it, uh, since we have plenty of memory cards and batteries um, on the go. So I tend to just over record. If I have time, let's do more. Let's, let's do another 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Why not? It's better because we want to work on a great project and, and put out a great project so that everybody can enjoy. So yeah, um, it creates yeah. more options, right? And then they, so then in that case, they want to know from you, like, what is this sound? I've never heard this before because some of us don't, wouldn't recognize some of these things, right? Yeah. 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 So I do have clients who, who will send me messages. Hey, what was, what was this mic on day one? And I'll tell them, oh, can you use more of that and not more of this? So, so I do have regular clients who ask me, hey, can you put this Rode NTG5 into the collection you're going to use? Make sure that's one of the mics. I said, sure, sure. So I'm just blown away how, how great that mic sounds, even though it's a lot cheaper than a lot of the uh, mics you see out there. So, uh, so Rode is doing a good job. They're, they keep refining, refining, making better and better products. So, um, yeah, it's great. You know, I'm I'm sort of struck by how much you've done just in terms of gaming, for example, but mm -hmm. so many film and TV credits and, and I'm sure a lot of times like the sounds you've recorded get reused places and things, but gaming is such a unique area. What, you know, what is it like, you know, everything from like Planet Coaster, which is kind of modern or some of these World War II titles to something like Assassin's Creed, which is all over history. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, how do you get stuff in times and places that don't exist? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I'm, I'm blessed where I live. I'm in Florida and um, there are a lot of history buffs here. There are people who, who have civil war cannons, <laughs> literally have, you know, instead of a Sunday picnic um, that people do, they actually go out and shoot their cannon off, <laughs> you know, with the whole family. <laughs> That's so, Florida, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you'll get <laughs> everything you get from rednecks all the way to yuppies all over the place. You know, um, <laughs> this morning I was dealing with a BMW motorcycle and weeks ago I was dealing with a Harley motorcycle. And the day before that it was a Porsche and the day before that it was a muscle car. So it's all over the place, and uh, I love it. I love the variety of what I could, you know, uh, engage with. And so, um, yeah. So there are people with toys. Um, I was I was doing the helping out with a Netflix movie, and this guy wanted a Luger pistol, you know, from from World War II era. And so sure. I, I I call a friend of mine, and I say, Hey, uh, can I borrow your Luger? He said, Which one? I said, The really old one. <laughs> He said the 1917 one? I was like, yeah. So he let, let me borrow his 1917 made Luger pistol, 9mm, huh. and it worked flawlessly. This this thing looked like yeah. it, it came from a museum. And so Dave, <laughs> I guess Dave trusts me enough with it that I, I could borrow it and bring it back in perfect condition. And, and so that ability, like it sounds like so much of the job is like you kind of have this explorer – like there's the technical side of knowing how to record the sound to get the best version, but you have to be able to create the environment or find the environment or find the person with the thing. Like mm -hmm. I have to find a cannon somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like is like it's or find a Luger from 1917. 
Right. Yeah, it's all about networking. You know, when once you find somebody you could talk to easily again and again who has a canon, well, probability is that they also have friends who have cannons and other toys. <laughs> and so, right. so, so I, I sometimes go to car shows and, um, and things like that. So, so I, I get to meet exciting people who, who love to have fun with and share their toys. So, and, and right. And, and, I guess and, that from that perspective, it's fun for them because it's a way to use it. And, uh, and they get, they get whatever the production is or the game the company, they will negotiate with them some right. kind of rate. Yeah. It's usually me asking for that. So, um, right. It, 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 they pay me and I pay them. So everybody wins. Yeah. It's great. Everybody, you know, the game company gets their great sounds that they after, um, without a headache because they would have to start over if they try to do something like that. Cause their job is more about getting all the pieces together, programming, the art, the animation, the yeah. sound, the dialogue, all those together into one product. So it's very difficult already so that if they have to go find a Corvette, well, who's got a Corvette and who's got all those microphones and equipment to record? Sure. And who's got the road or racetrack? So I do well, have- Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about, we always talk about with film because it's a, you know, no film school with filmmaking, but mm -hmm. sound is such a underrated critical element to the experience. But I think when you talk about gaming, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty is a huge, huge game. It's a huge part of the culture. Yes. And the sound is so much of what people are experiencing. Right. Um, that it's a uh, it's a it's a tall order to be responsible for kind of collecting all of the elements there and providing them and then having that be that's not something that the programmers you know when you're making a movie someone's going to go out and shoot footage someone's going to go out and record sound but when you're making a video game no one's shooting footage <laughs> right <laughs> but right. recording sound is still a real world element right 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 I think uh, you're bringing that only real world element to the table correct correct the they had to fabricate and create from nothing this art, this character, and the environment uh, that you see and then you hear. I guess, yeah, it's harder because it's not like, okay, let's get Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt's always going to look like Brad Pitt <laughs> no matter what right. you do. So, so I guess, yeah, games, you have to really fabricate from nothing into something yeah, and make it look good and, and fresh and exciting. So, and the sound experience is part of what what creates the reality because it'll it, as great as they look, even on these next gen platforms, they're not reality. Um, but the sounds are right, and I think that's sort of where it becomes important that it's it's actually recorded sound. Right, right. Those 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 sounds you hear everywhere had to start from really a microphone and and whatever you're pointing at. So, what I did was one part of many parts for the sound you know the, the team right. on their own actively record different gunshots different locations so my role is to capture for them you know, along with them are how the sounds echo off of buildings environment hmm. so urban environment and indoors too so they came to florida from la and i i scout out a, a huge location where you have a medium security prison. You're at a hospital. Um, you're in, at a residential. So this is all on one property. 
yeah, we were shooting off blanks outside, <laughs> and it looks like it looks like a college campus. And then, <laughs> where did you find and, this place? How did um, you find I, this? Like- I I asked friends who knew friends. I, I I asked a friend about locations, and he said, "Hey, I noticed yeah. one location. Let me ask my friend who rented that place." And so his friend you know, told me the name of the guy who owned the place, uh, and so we negotiated and I, I scouted out. I took a a rifle with blanks and I asked if I could shoot it off on, on video and submit it to uh, Infinity Ward. And they liked how that location sound. And uh, wow. so it's private property out, outside the city limits so that we were able to shoot off large, like 50 caliber weapons and explosions. So, um, so yeah, the team liked what they heard so we negotiated and they, they flew over here with a lot of gear i mean we had probably 40 channels running every day wow like microphones all over the place as far as 600 feet of 650 feet away from each other um and just everywhere so we walked around and clapped and listened to how echoes echo off of the different buildings so if it sounded interesting there they put a mic there it to sound wow. interesting back 300 feet they put a mic there as well so we had everything from mono to stereo ambisonic we did it we, we had the ambisonic mic there to capture all of the different experiences of what a what gunshots sound like in urban and indoor environments it's a really creative process it, it is really yeah if you, if you play the game and you take a rifle and you shoot down an alley and you listen to how the how the sound ping pong off the 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 alley well that's basically from real gunshots from yeah. Arca- arcadia florida you know middle of nowhere <laughs> so and, from and, that place you found <laughs> exactly and if you're shooting indoor where it's like concrete well it probably came from the prison or the house that's on that property and um let me tell you it's loud i don't know how swat guys use do this in in special forces Shooting indoors, it, it's just painful. I had to use earplugs and earmuffs, and it still hurt. <laughs> so. Yeah, people don't realize, right, that a real in-person weapon firing is quite – it's it's an explosion. It's a tiny little explosion. But exactly. It's loud, and there's fire. <laughs> there's, uh-huh. You know, there's a exactly. lot going on there. Like Exactly, yeah. And I remember a few times I had to go into a small room, almost like the size of a small bathroom, and shoot. And they wanted the door slightly open so they could get that, you know, that squeezing out sound from the firearm. And then they say, okay, now close the yeah. door. I'm like, what? So that means louder for me, <laughs> more concussion for me. But these are the things we do for great sounds. I don't think people connect the dots. Like you said, that when you fire a gun in a video game, that's a real gun somewhere that yep. went off that made a sound that exactly. was captured to create that because it's not, it doesn't look like a real thing, but it certainly sounds like one. Um, what, you know, when you're, when you're doing all of that, how many people, how big was the team for that one, for example? See, uh, there were two armorers, right? The, the main one and his, his assistant, uh, me and uh, the team from LA was one, two, three, four, about five to six uh, from LA. And, uh, so it was a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty big group and big, you're, big group, you know, yeah. kind of collaborating all together on like, how are we going to get every version of every kind of gunshot sound? Exactly. Yeah. So I rented a 15 passenger van 
and they had a suburban Chevy Suburban and a U-Haul truck to haul the equipment. So every day we yeah. take the equipment out of the Holiday Inn <laughs> and put it into uh, all, all the vehicles in Pelican cases and drive it to the location that's basically ten minutes away and unpack, you know, where we want it, and and then move again on the same location and then pack it up to the to the van and trucks and come back to the hotel again and again for a week. It's so, like a, it's a film production, basically. It is it's a shoot, basically. yeah, yeah, a shoot, literally. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and and we, you know, it was great that everybody had their own uh, tasks and they were on point. They they did a good job. They just kept going, and it was a great crew. Everybody was a, a joy to work with. I just I, I missed them when they left. I really missed the the crew. They were just wonderful to work with. It sounds like it was fun. I mean, because it, it, you know, you're creating it as you go, kind of like figuring out what the best ver or how to capture every version of these sounds. So it, you make it sound like it was an enjoyable experience. I, I, I do, I do tend to do that, but sometimes, I guess, oftentimes it's hard. It's it's a lot of sweating. It's a long, long hours, lack of sleep. Now you're under the pressure. I guess, I guess the pressure is good because you it keeps me on my toes to to do a good job. You know, I, I just and you're traveling a lot to to different locations. So. Correct, correct. And uh, I'm I'm just uh, blessed I'm here because I uh, there are a lot of places here where I could go to that's quiet enough for me to you know use microphones at. So the the yeah. top my top secret road. One of my clients said is if you if you see a lot of pictures of vehicles, that's where I'm recording at. It's about <laughs> half half an hour away. And we could run allegedly certain speeds and RPMs at this uh, top secret road and uh, capture great vehicle sounds. So, ah, um, interesting. Yeah, if you, uh, if you, it's good to have a secret road then where yeah. there's no one around and it's quiet. Exactly. <laughs> that's, yeah. what, and, that's a that's a sort of insider tip for recording the best car sounds you can. Yep, yep, exactly. And and it's a great value because we don't have to rent a. Two thousand, three thousand dollar racetrack, because <laughs> that just right. um, that blows the budget. So if you look at the pictures well, of the Mustang and Corvette in in the library, and the Ambisonic Road Library, that's the top secret road. You know, it's a, it's very smooth ah. road, and you see grass in the background and uh, blue, yeah, you know, blue sky. So that that's basically where I was at today, earlier today. It's great. Thanks so much for taking the time to do it. I usually, I like to end. Do you have any advice, if you were to give anybody advice who wanted to get started in sound recording or mixing, what would it be? What would you tell them to try or where would you advise them to start? I would say the first thing you want to do is sort of volunteer or be an apprentice to learn live mixing. Live mixing as in you know, you're taking care of the, the soundboard, the speakers, the cables, the microphones uh, for live events and, and knowing how to fix problems, learning how, how to adjust EQ while you're listening, you know, in, in real time. And uh, I, I think I've, I've done a lot of that when I was in, in college and before that. Uh, so I, I learned how to use all those that I mentioned. And uh, yeah. a, good, a good thing to do is to, to get one microphone and one recorder, nice pair of headphones, and, and just record on your own. Let's say, you know, let's say, you know, I, I have access to these dogs that make great sounds. Well, go and record those dogs. If you have a friend <laughs> with, a, with a motorcycle, that's that's record 
motorcycle takeoffs and revving. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you have access to firearms, you know, just be careful and, and know, you know, try to record those sounds. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit what you can do. So just got to try it. Be, you know, instead of talking about it, just get up and do it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Watson for coming on the podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed Sound Week. We have more sound content coming at you on nofilmschool.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast and rate it, leave a comment and let us know what you think. We have other interviews like my one with Mark Mangini, who is a extremely accomplished supervising sound editor. Be sure to check that one out. Check out our weekly podcast where we cover everything that happens in the world of filmmaking news each week. And of course, our regular content. Subscribe to the newsletter to make sure you never miss out on anything No Film School related. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.